Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Jesus That's Good News podcast. This is a space where we're going to share the gospel, aka the good news, to anyone who has a vulnerability to pull up a chair at Jesus' table with no reservation needed. Hi, Julie. Hey, Tevin. How how are you? It's beautiful here in Ohio this morning. I'm good. It is even more beautiful here in Kentucky, obviously. <laughs> more beautiful. I love it. Oh, well, what a privilege to uh, to just get together, right? And I'm thinking of the words of Brene Brown, where she said, it's a privilege to hold space with you and mm-hmm. our listeners, too. It's just it's something I don't take for granted. And first off, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. It's an honor, like Julia is saying, to share space, to hold space with you and just, uh, you know, go through this walk with Christ together. So we're yes. excited. Yeah, it's all about being together in community. So yeah, we're glad you're listening today. So Devin, what like, what do we have planned? I already know what we have planned, but what's on the agenda for today? <laughs> I say we jump right into it. Uh, it is the parable of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. Verse 11 is where we're going to be starting. And I just want to start off by saying how special this piece of scripture is to me. Julie, this is actually the first scripture that you and I really talked about together. Yes, that's right. When I called you in January of 2021, I said, hey, I want to start this. I want to learn more. I want to grow. And I know exactly now why you chose this bit of scripture. Oh, great. Yeah, it's. I just think it's foundational. And you know, the thing about this story, Devin, is... You know, people who haven't even grown up in church or uh, maybe they don't attend, um, they are familiar with this story. This story is timeless. It seems to be universal. And it begs the question, why do you think that is? Honestly, because it shows the overwhelming love and joy and grace that Jesus has for us. And I can personally relate, and I think a lot of our listeners can personally relate, because we've all felt completely lost before, whether that's relationally, spiritually, you know, inwardly. And this is a a scripture that talks about being lost, but then being found. So I am so excited to jump right into this. Oh, I am too. And you know, I was thinking about it, though. The word prodigal is so weird. If you say to someone, hey, we're going to look at the prodigal son story, they're like, oh, I know that story. But you know, if someone has lost their dog or their keys, you know, they're like, I have prodigal keys or I have a prodigal dog. I mean, no one uses right. that word anymore, no. right? But yet people understand when we talk about prodigal son, we're talking about something that was lost and then found again. So yeah, I'm with you. It's a strange word, but it's a beautiful story. So let's jump right in. Let's do it. So why don't you set the scene, Julie? You're so good at yeah. that. So I talk about this all the time in Bible study, don't I? That I want you to step into the story. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I, I mean, I want us to understand context uh, because we're talking about events that happened 2,000 years ago. So we have to understand the culture of that time when Jesus was out loving people and and engaging in ministry. So I think it's really important for us to do that. So I want to set the scene. Devin, I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, if you would read from Luke chapter 15, just the first two verses, one and two, so we can understand who is actually listening to Jesus and holding space with him. All right. So Luke chapter 15, verse one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Ugh, I hate the Pharisees. Same, girl. <laughs> same, same. Yeah, it's a very churchy word when we think about Pharisees. But, you know, in the past year and a half that we've been doing this Bible study, 
how often have the Pharisees come up? Probably once a week in meeting <laughs> every Bible study. So the Pharisees, just to break it down for you, these are the people who walked around and they kind of flaunted themselves. You know, their chest was out and they were the ones who knew every bit of law. Yes. Um, yeah. And not only did they know it, but they wanted other people to know that they knew it. So they are what we call hypocrites because they would act like they knew everything, but then they would be the ones who were being like, ooh, why is Jesus hanging out with the misfits? Ooh, why is Jesus hanging out with the poor? You say it perfectly. You say the outside of their cup is clean but the inside of their cup is dirty. Yes, absolutely. And you notice like right from the beginning, who was hanging around with Jesus, tax collectors and sinners. Mm -hmm. And the people of that day would have understood that those were the scoundrels, the people that were not really worthy to hold space with a great rabbi like Jesus. And you know, what's sad is in first century Jewish society, I mean, they carefully measured who was in and who was out. And what's sad is in 2,000 years, I don't know that the church has changed all that much. I would agree with you. And that's based off my experience, too. I'm, you know, technically out. Yeah. <laughs> Both figuratively <laughs> and literally. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that true? Like so many people who call themselves Christians or who are religious or spiritual, so to speak, are, are very quick to point out that you just don't measure up on the outside. It's just a gospel of exclusion today. Whereas Jesus had a gospel of inclusion. So make no mistake, when he is telling this parable, he is looking to utterly destroy the foundations that the Pharisees have laid about who is religious and who is not. I mean, this is a radical, radical revolution that we're talking about here. So Jesus, prior to the story of the prodigal son, tells two other stories about losing and finding, if you will. He talks about a shepherd who loses his sheep. He leaves the 99, right? The 99 that he already has yes. are with him. And he's yes. like, no, I, I have lost one. I still right. need to go find it. The, the 99 who are behaving and haven't wandered off. Mm. And he goes off and he, he finds the lost sheep. And the beauty of that story right there is that when he finds them, he invites everyone to rejoice with me. I found my sheep. And he tells another story. It's like, I'm reminded of losing coins in my couch. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you find a quarter in your couch cushion. You're like, yes. Think about I, the I, excitement you get. And you're like yes. a dollar, a whole dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done laundry? And it's like, all of a sudden, you know, there's a dollar that's been tumbling around. And yeah, it, a $5 yeah. bill, the excitement that fills you. That is what Jesus felt, you know, when he finds something that's been lost. You know, Devin, I have to believe that as he is talking to the Pharisees, and so he's got a mixed crowd. He's got a, a crowd of outsiders mixed in with a crowd of insiders, the very religious. And I think that the outsiders are doing and responding like you just did, like, yes, this mm -hmm. is good news. And I think the Pharisees are sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like, they're not getting the whole picture. And I think Jesus takes it up a notch here. Yes. He says, okay, you're not understanding the sheep. You're not understanding the finding the lost coin. Mm. Let's make this a little more personal. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, 
how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so in, good. In the Methodist tradition, I think in the Catholic tradition too, after we read scripture, we say the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. This, my friends, is a shocking story. Like I just said it was beautiful, but really it's shocking. And I'm telling you, the Pharisees, as they are listening to this story from Jesus, are shaking their heads the entire time. Like this is total BS, if I can say that. They're not buying into it. Um, it's it's just such a radical story that he is talking about. And to understand why it's so radical, we really have to understand the cultural context again here in this story. It makes all the difference because we're not talking about a shepherd losing a sheep. We're not talking about someone who's just lost a coin. Like I said, Jesus is taking this up a notch because we're talking about a son who has purposely chosen to rupture his whole family. A slap in the face to the family. A slap in the face, absolutely. So let me give you a little bit of background, Devin. If you don't mind, I'm going to share a little bit about the culture here. Please. Yeah. The younger brother would have been entitled to about one-third of his father's estate. But by asking the father to liquidate his assets, it's what you just said. It's like him saying, I wish you were dead. Mm. Give me my stuff now. Entitled. <laughs> yeah, entitled. Yeah, an entitled brat. It kind of sounds like, right? I want to do life without you, Dad. So um, while this request was not an illegal one at all, but it was shameful and it was outrageous. And the Pharisees who were listening to this story would be like, no good father would do this. No good and honorable son would ask such a ridiculous thing. So in this story, if you're in the community and you heard about, hey, John's son, he asked him to liquidate his assets. And, and here's the crazy thing, Devin, is the father in this story would have had to depend on the community members. Like, hey, I need to sell this to you. you. Will you buy it? Like, I need your money to give to my son who has just shamed our family. So it, it's so shocking. I was, I was sharing with you the other day. This is how shocking it is. Like, Devin, did you watch the Oscars when they came out? You know, I didn't, but obviously we all know what happened this past year. Yeah, like I don't know what won Best Picture of the Year because what were people talking about after the Oscars? The Chris Rock slap heard around the world. That's right, the slap <laughs> heard around the world. When you saw that video, I don't know about you, but I'm like, he. what did he just do? Like, mm -hmm. is this scripted or is this real? That's the kind of shock I want you to have with this story. Mm. Like, Jesus, is this real? Like, I know this is a parable and you're telling us this, but this would never happen, right? right? So the next big shocking thing in this story is where the guy ends up going. He ends up going to what we call a Gentile, but a foreigner. 
he goes to work for someone who's not part Devin of the in crowd. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I read one theologian said, I thought it was really interesting this week. He he sends him out to go work with the pigs. And the Pharisees would have been honing in on that because here's what they viewed about pigs. Touching a pig would make you so unclean that you would not be allowed to go into the temple to worship. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees believed that touching a pig would make you four times more unclean than if you were with a prostitute. And this son chose to go essentially live with the pigs. Man, he had no other choice, really. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had spent everything that he had, said he spent all of his money, all of his inheritance on what they say, wild living. Yeah, acting a fool. Acting a fool, yeah. And so as, as the Pharisees are listening to this, yeah, they're embarrassed because this kid asked for his inheritance, how shameful that was. And they're like, can this kid go any lower? Yeah, he can. He's like living with the pigs and mm. wanting to eat their mm-hmm. food. So they are thinking this is, again, the most ridiculous story that they have ever, ever heard. And so something beautiful happens here. Yes. It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses. I love that. I love that too. Why do you love that, Dev? For me, for example, in January 2021, there's something that happened in my life that was almost the straw that broke the camel's back. That's when I hit my rock bottom. And I had to have an awakening when I was there. And that's the beauty of rock bottom is that I was lost and I wanted to be found. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. It reminds me of the word metanoia uh, that we find in scripture, which I think the the church has kind of co-opted to call repent. But really metanoia means to have a change of mind. You know, like you had to make that decision. You had to choose in that moment. Am I going to stay here or am I going to reach out for help? Yes. And it's not just something you say. That's the thing is that, you know, people can apologize and that's just words, but a true apology is changed behavior. And I think that's the key here is that the son was intentional about wanting to change. He was intentional about wanting to change. This is a crazy moment for him. He knows the shame that he has brought onto the family. He knows that he's disgraced himself by living with the pigs, but he decides that returning to the father is worth it. And humbling himself enough to know I did wrong. Yeah, he has to know. And wouldn't he expect that some kind of punishment is awaiting him? I mean, he's he's angered his family. He's angered the villagers. He's brought, again, shame upon his family. And yet he makes that decision to return to the father. But first he hatches a plan. And he prepares a speech. Yes. So on his way back home, this is what I love to talk about is that he was rehearsing this monologue that he was about to give to his father. Like, Hey, I know I messed up dad. I just want to come back. I will. You don't even have to call me your son. I just, I'll work for you. It's a great plan. We all do it. We all look for, you know, this, we have to earn back our love type of mentality. Oh my gosh. So I have a quick story. I remember when I first got my driver's license, I had taken out a 65 Mustang. My dad had restored a 65 Mustang. I see you, Julie. Yeah, and I had just gone a couple blocks over. I wanted to run to a convenience store to pick something up. And I'm telling you, it was like one of the first times I ever drove this car. It was just, oh, it was a classic. I drive over there and um, get what I need, get back in the car, put it in reverse, ran right into a telephone pole. Oh. Right, And so the, the trunk, the back end is totally caved in. I am devastated. I am in tears because my dad had put so much work into this car. I can't even take it out without running it into a, a telephone pole. So I'm, I'm just a few blocks from home, but I am thinking of my story the whole time. What am I going to tell him? What am I going to tell him? Have I crossed the line? Like, 
have I, have I done something so egregious that my father is never going to forgive me and never going to love me again? And so I, I won't bore you with the details. I received so much grace and love from my dad upon my return, but I can tell you for two or three blocks, I was rehearsing the story of what happened to the 65 Mustang. I know that feeling of having to try to explain my actions and why I did what I did. So I can't blame the guy. I can't either. And imagine what that walk home was oh. like for the son. Can you imagine what his, what even his thought processes were? You know, I, to me, I think I would be walking and being like the what ifs just going through my head. Yes. It's not too late, D. Like you can turn around. It's right. not too late. Just go back to what go you're back. doing. Go back. Yes. It sucks there, but it may suck less than having to face, you know, face the music. Yeah, because he knows what tradition, mm-hmm. tradition has told him in the past that if you do this thing, this is the punishment you're going to receive. Yes. And I am imagining him kind of, you know, coming over a hill or something upon his return. And in the distance, he sees dad. And dad is running directly to him. That's so beautiful to picture. It is. But if I'm the kid, I'm peeing my pants right now. (laughs) Right. It's beautiful because I know what's about to happen. But like in the moment, I'd be like, you know, deer in headlights. Yes. Dad is running straight for me. I Is he about to wail on me or is he going to embrace me? I'm not sure. I know, right? If I'm the boy, I'm expecting the absolute worst. And yet he receives something that is just utterly incomprehensible. And again, as the Pharisees are listening to this story, what they hear next sounds completely ridiculous. They hear Jesus talk about a father who is filled with compassion, who is running not to attack his son, not to berate his son, not to shame his son, but to embrace him. Mm. Going totally against what tradition has said the father should act. And Jesus establishes a new paradigm of what the kingdom is supposed to look like. That it's a kingdom of love where the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Yes. And this is what we call grace. And that is what we call the good news. Oh yeah. Grace is always greater. That's good news. Mm-hmm. This is a story of, of, of grace, of, of just incredible good news. And Devin, you and I have talked a lot in the past year or two about how we so often base our faith, let's say our relationship with God, we view it as a transactional relationship. Can you talk a little bit about like how we have, we've kind of torn that apart a little bit? Okay. This is me to a T of how I viewed my relationship with Christ. If I tithe 10%, I'll be in good standing. If I go to church one Sunday a week, I'll be in good standing. Yeah. It's that prosperity gospel that for some reason is just thrown into our heads that if I do good, I will receive good. Or if I do good, I will prosper. Where in fact, it's not about what you do. It's about the transformation in your heart. Your walk with Christ shouldn't be transactional. It should be transformational. Amen. That's right. And I really had to learn that and really change the way I thought about it in order to really feel God's good grace for me. You know, and I was just thinking as you were saying that this story is called the prodigal son story, the story of the prodigal son. But Maybe it should be retitled The Story of the Amazingly Gracious Father. And and we'll talk more about the father aspect next week, but that's really what this story is about. This is where everything hinges, right, for the Pharisees in this moment, that the father's response is totally out of character for what what a good father's, in their opinion, 
what a good father's response should be. For those of you, if you like to read um, or if you like to explore a little bit more, there is a wonderful book called The Return of the Prodigal Son, A Story of Homecoming by one of my favorite authors, Henry Nowen. And he talked about this idea of transaction. And I love this quote. Do you mind if I read this real quick, Devin? No, please go for it. He says, although claiming my true identity as a child of God, I still live as though the God to whom I am returning demands an explanation. That is powerful right there. I still think about his love as conditional and about home as a place I am not yet fully sure of. And while walking home, I keep entertaining doubts about whether I will be truly welcome when I get there. And as I look at my spiritual journey, my long and fatiguing trip home, I see how full it is of guilt about the past and worries about the future. I realize my failures and I know that I have lost the dignity of my sonship, but I am not yet able to fully believe that where my failings are great, listen to this, grace is always greater. Shoo-wee. Right? Grace is always greater. Come on with that good news. Jesus, that's good news right mm-hmm. there. We're going to talk about this next week, aren't we, Devin? Mm-hmm. That the, the grace the Father shows isn't because of some explanation he gives. The grace comes before the story or the excuses or the explanation is even given by the Son. Yeah, and before we close in, Julie, I just want to mention one more thing about the son when we're talking about his perspective here today. I love that in that quote that you just talked about, it says, where my failings are great. I think that's the beauty of of this part of scripture that we're looking at, is that the son acknowledged his failings. Yes, yeah. You know, he had to make the first intentional move. After action, that's when the saving comes in. We talk about this with Glennon Doyle. She says, first the fall, then the rise. Yes. But you have to first get up off of your knees and make the first move. And the pain for the son, when he was just at the lowest, that's when the growth happened. Yes. Yes. So I'm excited for next week, too, to really talk about the father's love after the son made the first intentional, humbling, courageous move of moving forward. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I know I say the word beautiful a lot, you guys. And I know we say absolutely a lot. And we say absolutely a and lot. And we're going to say so good a lot. But you guys... <laughs> so just, good. Just bear with us. <laughs> it's just because when we really start to understand that this is good news. I mean, do you understand this, Devin? I think we talked about last week that when Jesus is trying to explain the heart of this gospel, the heart of, of God, this is the story that he tells. So, Devin, we want to give everyone just a few questions to consider. I won't, I don't want to call it homework, but just some things to ponder. I want to encourage everyone to go back and, and pull out your Bibles or grab your computer and go to Luke chapter 15 and, and read this. But just a few questions, I think, for them to consider. Devin, what do you think about that? Let's do it throughout your drive to work or wherever it is. Just something to think about. So let's consider, first of all, in what ways can you identify with the lost son? Secondly, have you ever felt like you're too unworthy to return home? And lastly, who are the people in your life that show you God's forgiving love? Yeah, just some things to consider. So yeah, just take the next week here to think about those questions. And uh, next week, we're going to be revisiting the parable of the prodigal son. But this time, we're going to talk about the father's perspective. And just a reminder, you guys can visit stoveleg.com slash holy. And that's where you could submit any prayer request 
or any good news that you have. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, uh, this isn't just about Devin and I talking back and forth. We'd love to hear what's going on in your life. Um, how can we pray for you or pray with you even? Um, so please, as Devin said, reach out. Can you repeat that website again? Yep. It's stoveleg, S-T-O-V-E-L-E-G dot com slash holy. And yeah, we want to make this an inclusive and intimate environment. Come to the table. So on behalf of Julie and myself, here's to the good news. May we be it. May we seek it. May we spread it. So pull up a seat. There's no reservation needed. Be well, friends.